I'm Mario Nasanovich, and joining me today is Dr. Raj Mira. We'll discuss his focus on the development and advancement of novel therapeutics to address unmet medical needs for the benefit of patients with central nervous system disorders and some of his recent work in rare diseases. Dr. Raj Mira is the chairman, founder, and CEO of Celos Therapeutics. Prior to founding Celos, Dr. Mira spent nine years at Auriga USA as a managing director focused on private and public equity investments in global healthcare companies. Uh, prior to Auriga, Dr. Mira was the sector head for healthcare equity investments at Bennett Lawrence Management in New York. He also founded and managed a long short equity hedge fund at Weiss Peck and Greer. Dr. Mira started his career as an investment professional at Cowan Asset Management. He holds an MS, uh, Masters of Philosophy, PhD, JD, and MBA degrees from Columbia University in New York. He is also a graduate of the Indian Institute of Technology in Kanpur, where he was ranked first in his class. We'll be discussing his recent work in the biopharmaceutical industry and discuss some recent news that has made a significant impact in both CNS and rare diseases. Dr. Mira, welcome to the program. It's my privilege to speak to you here. Thank you, Maria, for having me. It's a real pleasure. So, Dr. Mira, what's your earliest memory of healthcare growing up in India? Healthcare in India was mostly, you know, not preventive. It was when you're sick, then only you seek a doctor. Otherwise, the healthcare was, you just did not even think about. That was a different era where most of the medicines that I remember taking it as a child was sugared, colored solutions. It did not matter what my diseases were. So it was just to make it palatable. Exactly. Excellent. When were you first aware of the the existence of the biopharmaceutical industry? That was when I was uh, working at Weisbeck and Greer. I look at some epidemiology data. It was astounding to me. Look at how the Western world was aging, and then at the same time, the China and India were coming into the uh, 21st century with a huge population that needed a healthcare uh, issues to be addressed, and that really, uh, you know, indicated to me that this industry was uh, ready to bloom in the late 90s, and it'll be the uh, industry to be focused on for the 21st century if we were to, you know, bring the entire global population uh, into a healthy arena. Who was the most influential person to you as a child, and then later as you pursued your education, your advanced degrees, and, and throughout your career? And has that changed? It has. As a kid, I was heavily influenced by my grandfather, who was in, uh, really a, a Renaissance man. He was a professor of Sanskrit and mathematics, but he also indulged in astrology and homeopathic medicine. It's so, a wide range. Yeah. yeah. So he was, you know, we all looked up to him. So. He influenced me, and then, of course, later on, after my conversion to Catholicism, you know, a lot of many saints came into me, you know, my life that became the driving influence uh, of my life. Was there a particular professor along the way, or a, uh, a colleague, or someone in business, uh, as you were pursuing your advanced degree, that said, that person's doing it right, and I'd like to follow their path? You know, um, that's a, quite a span. I can go to my high school teachers that really made, you know, uh, there was a history teacher that made it more into a story. So then you start seeing history from a different perspective. And then, of course, all the way to Columbia, my mentor. Uh, the reason I came to Columbia and I said uh, no to Yale and other uh, places because I wanted to join him, Dr. Breslow, uh, Ronald Breslow, who I think, you know, would have been awarded a Nobel Prize for his pioneering work in mimicking enzymes in the lab. Um, uh, so um, 
he was a great influence in my life in thinking about uh, different diseases and how to construct new molecules to address that, those needs. You spent a significant portion of your career in finance and specifically focused on, on health care, uh, meeting with an innumerable amount of biopharmaceutical companies uh, at various stages. What was the genesis of Celos Therapeutics? So one of the things we learned from 30-year exposure in investing in healthcare companies, especially in biotech companies, the smaller comp- biotech companies has two uh, issues. Um, many of them, or most of them, had one product uh, focus. And if the success is obtained, uh, and if that drug works, then they are a successful company. Otherwise, they, are, you know, they literally go bankrupt. That was one area we wanted to avoid. And the second issue was that many of these companies were just one, you know, focused on um, products that were not fully vetted in the sense they were good idea, good mechanism. So they were, in, in, in simplistic terms, they were scientific experiments. And we wanted to avoid that. So when we created Celos, we wanted to have a multiple diversified company, so we have multiple shots on success. Uh, and the second thing, we wanted to uh, acquire assets that were late stage, that has already shown human uh, proof of concept. So, uh, you know, the only risk we were taking was the execution risk. So, if I can sum that up, you first defined your vision based on what you observed in the marketplace and as what was the shortcoming of others uh, or their their quick change from uh, a, uh, a company with a single product to being out of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, you saw certain opportunities to operationalize your vision uh, in terms of taking potential proven assets. That is correct. So this past January, CELOS announced the completion of its previously disclosed merger with Africa's Biosciences. Can you tell us about this reverse merger and why it was important to take the company public, specifically on the NASDAQ? So for a growing company with multiple assets, the the largest need always is an adequate amount of capital to address the growing needs of the company. And one of the best way or quickest way to address that was to have access to the capital market and the reverse uh, merger exactly accomplished that. Great. So for those just joining us, this is Mario Nasanovich on ReachMD, and I'm here with Dr. Raj Mira, Chairman, Founder, and CEO of Celos Therapeutics. We spoke earlier about Dr. Mira, his influences, and passion for the biopharmaceutical industry. We also discussed with him his vision for Celos and his recent reverse merger and listing on the NASDAQ. Now let's shift to discuss some newsworthy events in the industry and also discuss some of the therapeutic areas that Celos is currently focused in. So the U.S. Food and Drug Administration recently approved a Johnson & Johnson nasal spray antidepressant, esketamine, uh, for people resistant to other treatments but placed restrictions on the use of the drug, which it warned could be misused or abused. The approval of the nasal spray, esketamine, marks the first new tra- type of treatment for depression in more than 30 years and has raised some hopes uh, for its relatively fast action and ability to treat some otherwise unreachable patients. Dr. Mira, what's your thoughts on this approval? I think it's a remarkable event and achievement that Johnson & Johnson has done to address the needs of treatment-resistant depression population, which is a vast population that has uh, you know, been seeking new modalities and coming up with a new modalities of drug that can be easily administered through uh, nasal spray is a remarkable achievement. We really applaud them and we think you know, they are going to be a big success in that market. 
So let's talk about um, what we think that impact is going to be on the management and treatment of patients with treatment-resistant depression. How successful will they be, and what does that success look like? So ultimately, the clinicians will decide which patients are, you know, uh, ultimately suited for this therapy. However, what we do believe that, you know, uh, patients who do not have many other options, uh, you know, uh, can get immediate relief through this S-ketamine. That, I think, is a big event. And then the question of, you know, how long will they stay on it, they'll be decided by their uh, response uh, to the therapy and as well as their clinician's view of uh, the benefits and risk. So CELOS is advancing uh, an intranasal racemic ketamine for patients with suicidality in both PTSD and MDD. Before we discuss your clinical development program for what you've labeled SLS002, can you tell us the difference between racemic ketamine and the recently approved S-ketamine? So that's a good question, and uh, many times people get confused that because both product, S-ketamine and racemic ketamine, has the same name, ketamine, so they're um, exactly the same compound. They are actually not. In fact, FDA believes that these are two different compounds. So racemic ketamine is a mixture of both R and S ketamine, 50% each, whereas S ketamine is 100% S ketamine. So apart from those differences, molecular constitutional differences, the other differences are based on the efficacy and the side effect. We believe based on the preclinical profile and the other data that we have shown that our dosing will be slightly lower uh, than S-ketamine because our effect, the efficacy, could be longer lasting than S-ketamine. And plus, our side effect profile will be differentiated from the S-ketamine in terms of our product could be more tolerable with less side effect versus uh, the S-ketamine. So CELUS is advancing in intranasal racemic ketamine. And I have to ask you this question. What are the next steps in CELUS's clinical development for what you have labeled SLS002? So before we embark on a potentially pivotal study, uh, the FDA wanted us to finish a, a small study because this is the first time in the clinical setting racemic ketamine will be used in a multiple administration. So ketamine is approved 50 years ago, but it was approved just for single administration. So now we are taking it in multiple administrations, so they wanted us to make sure we do the PKPD study to show the rationale for the dose that we are going to be taking in the pivotal, plus it can also show them the maximum tolerated dose, and, and the dose that we are taking in the phase three is below that. So CELUS had some major news that nearly doubled its stock price in a single day. Uh, you recently made and gained an exclusive license to intellectual property uh, to a technology that was first created by researchers at UCLA. Can you tell us a little bit about this family of rationally designed peptide inhibitors uh, that target the aggregation of alpha-synuclein? Sure. The Parkinson's disease that is pretty well known, and so far almost all the therapies that are approved uh, that address the symptomatic relief, now in the last few years, as we have started to understand the genomic underpinnings of Parkinson's, we have started thinking about different ways of delivering compounds to the CNS that can potentially slow down the uh, disease. So alpha-synuclein is a protein that has been implicated very widely 
in the pathology of Parkinson's. Alpha-synuclein, as long as it remains normal as a monomer, all of us have it and, and it, it has its useful purposes. However, in the either the disease patients or through mutations, what we have seen is it misfolds, that protein misfolds and starts to aggregate. And those aggregates are have been implicated in almost every time you see there's a Parkinsonism. And within the cells, they are cytotoxic. Outside the cell, they, they spread from neurons to neurons, causing the widespread of the Parkinson's disease. So uh, large pharma, as well as us, we are focused on addressing this, containing these aggregates where they don't seed uh, within the cell or propagate outside the cell. Currently, the approaches by large pharma, both Roche and Biogen, have an antibody program that's focused on these aggregates outside the cell because their antibody cannot go inside the cell. And they are into late phase two programs that will hopefully be successful in uh, stopping the propagation. But our approach was a small molecule peptide approach where we have shown that we can stop the seeding within the cell of these alpha-synuclein aggregates as well as the propagation outside. Now we have to do further study to show that, that indeed that we can, when we deliver these compounds to the CNS, they engage the target and do in vivo what we have shown in vitro. So that will be a big exciting development for us if we were successful doing that. So you've taken a family of rationally designed peptide inhibitors uh, you are looking at an area that is, it's proven to work, Parkinson's disease. You've labeled it SLS007, and we're off to expect uh, next level results. What is that next level result that you're seeking? So we will do the target engagement in transgenic mice. That data should be out in, in the coming few months when we start to initiate. And if we are successful there, then we'll do the further tox study and uh, bring it into the clinics. It's fascinating. So, Dr. Mira, many people talk about pursuing their passions. You're pursuing your passion. How does this passion inspire your management approach to Silos? I grew up in India, and we lived very nearby with St. Mother Teresa lived. Something like Calcutta. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, and I spent a lot of time there. And, but I did not know other than that she was a good lady until my conversion that uh, what a profound effect she had. And she had a very cute expression because once she was asked that all her help in a uh, teeming city like Calcutta, uh, she can help a few thousand people, but there are millions who are still suffering. And her answer was, my God does not want uh, me to be uh, successful. He wants me to be faithful. So one soul at a time. And I think, you know, in our efforts to create new therapies, if we help one soul at a time, that's enough for us. That is. That definitely is. At any given moment, on any given day, you are triaging, and you're continuing to move nimbly in and out of several competing priorities for your time. What's your secret? Faith. You know, and, and the famous expression of St. Benedict, ora et labora. You pray and work, everything else takes care of itself. I think that's a great way to round out our discussion with Dr. Mira. We have certainly discussed much of his recent work in the biopharmaceutical industry. We've gained some incredibly valuable insights into some significant news events that have occurred over the last few weeks, and certainly here in the industry as well as for Silos. We were also able to hear about his early influences and the motivation uh, behind his latest venture. 
I want to thank my guest, Dr. Mira, for joining me on Talking Healthcare. Dr. Mira, it was a great having you on the program. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. And on behalf of all of us, thank you for following your passion uh, to pursue the development of this company and the developments within this company. We certainly know there are many in need of the treatment options uh, in many of these therapeutic areas we've discussed, and I wish you and your colleagues continued success. Thank you, Mario, for having me. This is a great interview for me to be able to talk about my faith. So thank you so much for having me. I'm Mario Nasinovich to access this episode and others focusing in on some of the most thoughtful and thought-filled industry leaders. Follow their passion in healthcare and biopharmaceuticals. I invite you to visit ReachMD.com where you can be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.